0: You're listening to the podcast of the Biopharmaceutical Section of the American Statistical Association. Hi folks, and welcome to the show. This is Richard Zink, and you're listening to the podcast of the Biopharmaceutical Section of the American Statistical Association. This is episode 58, and it features a conversation with Pam McGovern, Willis Jensen, John Colossa, and Fani Natanagara about the statistical partnerships among Academe, Industry, and Government Committee, otherwise known as SPAG. Now, this was one of those situations where I was approached about a particular topic, and it was really great to have this conversation to find out more about Spake and talk about the importance of collaboration in general. I guess what I'm getting at is that you all have ideas for interesting conversations, so get in touch so we can turn that idea into a podcast. As a reminder for these discussions, remember that people are sharing their personal opinions so please don't overinterpret their comments as representing the groups or organizations with which they participate. Now let's start the show. Hi folks, our topic today is the ASA Statistical Partnerships among Academe, Industry and Government Committee, otherwise known as SPAG. Joining me today are several SPAG committee members. Willis Jensen, the Global Statistics Team Leader at WL Gore and Associates, John Kalasa, Professor of Statistics and Biostatistics at Rutgers University, Pam McGovern, Mathematical Statistician for the National Agricultural Statistics Service at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and Fani Natanagara, Principal Research Scientist at Eli Lilly and Company. Good afternoon, and thanks so much for you all being here. Let's get started with a brief overview of your current roles. Uh, Can you... Tell us what you do for SPAG, and uh, describe how you're involved with the committee. Willis, why don't we start with you?
1: I lead a global team of 14 statisticians at W.L. Gore. And Gore is famous for our Gore-Tex fabric, but we also produce a variety of other products in the areas of medical devices, automotive, pharmaceutical filtration products. So our team provides statistical support and training and across all of our divisions for our engineers, our scientists, and business leaders. So we deal with data and uh, issues related to manufacturing, new product development, and many other areas. So my role is the uh, industry representative on this state committee, having been appointed in 2016.
0: Thanks, and John. I'm a
2: professor in the Department of Statistics and Biostatistics at Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey, and formerly directed the graduate program in statistics at Rutgers. I have been involved in various awards and JSM presentation roles as part of the SPAG Committee since my start in 2017.
0: And uh, how long have you been at Rutgers University?
2: Since 2000.
0: Wow, a long time. Very good. Um, Pam, why don't we uh, go on next to you?
3: As a mathematical statistician at the U.S. Department of Agriculture, I currently work in our methodology division, where I serve as director of our quality management office. And I primarily work on issues related to survey methods and data quality for the agency's agricultural data collections. And in terms of my involvement with the SPADE committee, in January of 2015, I was appointed to serve on the SPADE committee as a government rep- representative and currently serve as the committee's vice chair.
0: Very good, and Fani. Last but not least,
3: thank you, Richard, for for having us um, today.
4: So, I'm a project statistician at Eli Lilly and Company, um, which is an innovation-driven pharmaceutical company with a mission to make medicines that help people live longer, healthier, and more active lives. Um, currently, I work in the Statistical Innovation Center where our team provides statistical consultation across various phases of the drug development and therapeutic areas so that we can help design and optimize clinical trials as well as clinical programs. I've been in the industry uh, representative on the space committee since 2016.
0: Very good. And uh, you don't focus on any one uh, or specialize in any one therapeutic area? You sort of work across all of them?
4: Currently, I'm um, focusing on the neuroscience uh, therapeutic area. Well,
0: that's, a, that's a challenging one to uh, have to work in, um, so good luck uh, Very much, much success. So. So. <laughs> uh, Thank you. Some people may have uh, heard of SPAG uh, but may not necessarily know uh, what it uh, is involved in. So first and foremost, what's the primary mission of SPAG?
3: Sure. Well, that's definitely a great question, and I would imagine many people listening to this podcast probably aren't very familiar with SPAG or its mission, and so um, it probably would help for me to give our ASA members some idea of the committee makeup first before discussing our mission, and the SPAG committee has nine members who represent each of the three career sectors, academia, industry, and government. And committee members are appointed by the ASA President-Elect for a three-year term and can be reappointed for a second three-year term. And with members representing the three sectors that I mentioned, the state committee's mission is to identify, lead, and promote initiatives that foster statistical partnerships or collaborations between two or more entities across multiple sectors. And to carry out its mission, the committee is tasked with several initiatives. First, the committee is responsible for judging nominations for the ASA's Partnership Award, um, which is called the SPAG Award, to recognize outstanding partnership or collaborative efforts across the different career sectors. Second, the committee promotes and encourages collaborative work in the statistical community. For example, the committee organizes conference sessions and authors' articles highlighting a diverse set of collaborative case studies and successes. In fact, if you go to our committee website, you'll find links to articles that we've published. And finally, the committee communicates the progress on its initiatives and activities to the statistical community.
0: Thanks for that summary. Uh, And this idea of uh, collaboration across sectors is very important. Um, So within the biopharmaceutical section, uh, we hold a yearly regulatory industry statistics workshop, which is really a concerted effort among industry and FDA statisticians to address topics that are relevant to uh, medical product development. Uh, Each session and even many short courses feature at least one industry and regulatory perspective, and many of these sessions feature academic perspectives as well. For us, it's been a, a an open dialogue that's been very beneficial to address uh, the challenges inherent in our work, uh, particu- particularly the uh, regulatory considerations. Uh, so I'm glad to hear that there's ongoing initiatives uh, across the entire ASA to uh, get these different groups of individuals together. So are there any activities that SPAG sponsors to foster or promote these collaborations uh, across statisticians in different areas? How, how, do, how do you get these individuals together?
2: Uh, SPAG runs JSM roundtable lunches with speakers as well as other conference activities highlighting collaborations across disciplines. We judge the annual St- SPAG Award to recognize significant collaborations. This competition has been significantly reinvigorated recently with a robust scoring rubric and a lot of thought given to objectivity. We participate in community outreach efforts like this podcast and newsletter articles four from 2017 to popularize these important collaborations. We are charged with conducting the industry salary survey. We co-sponsor a session at the International Chinese Statistical Association meeting. We co-sponsor local career advancement outreach activities. And finally, we're planning a career roadshow.
0: Can you give us a little bit more uh, about the career roadshow and, and and how that would sort of reach across the different uh, sectors uh, that we've talked about?
2: I think the career roadshow is still in its planning stages, and so I can't tell you exactly what it'll look like. But to extrapolate from previous activities, I envision people from a various areas, academia, industry, and government, traveling around to various venues, including large graduate programs or potentially regional conferences, to speak to graduate students and maybe even younger faculty about potential careers in statistics and using statistical tools.
0: Very good. And and, and as far as the roundtable lunches, are these contributed topics or or does Spag try to organize uh, around different topics sort of as invited sessions to get people involved
2: the roundtable lunches because of logistic reasons pretty much have to be invited we really only have time for one speaker or in our last case two co-authors to present one presentation if we want to eat and we really do want to eat we have to we have to limit the number of people who can get up and talk.
0: Yes, uh, yeah. the eating is definitely an important part of the roundtable lunch. Uh, well, thanks for the, uh, the additional details. Uh, do you have some examples uh, that you can uh, share with the listeners about some of these cross-sector uh, collaborations?
1: Well, I've spent 12 years at Gore, and collaboration at work is quite simply a way of life. I could share many different examples, but I'll share a more recent one. Over the past couple of years, I've worked on a project team at Gore that was tasked with improving the way that we gather data for our contribution and compensation process. We believe it's important to ensure that our you nearly know, 10,000 associates are compensated based on the contributions to the enterprise, so as was part of our project team as a statistician that there were other team members who were experts in IT. Uh, project management, change management, education, uh, and HR, and there's really no way that we could have successfully implemented the improvements that we made across all the regions and divisions without a high level of collaboration in the project team. The project team itself was spread across multiple countries and time zones, and the majority of the collaboration efforts were virtual rather than in-person or face-to-face interaction in spite of these differences and logistical challenges we're able to achieve significant time savings while still maintaining the quality of the data used in the process.
4: So besides the state committee work in the last six to seven years I've been an active member of the Drug Information Association, or DIA for short, Bayesian Scientific Working Group, um, as an education subteam co-chair for the first few years. And I'm currently, in the, in the last um, almost two years now, I'm, I'm the chair of the working group. So um, this working group is housed under DIA, which is a global and member-driven organization mobilizing life sciences and health care professionals so the our working group consists of individuals from academia industry and regulatory authorities so this fits you know very well in the three sectors that pam just mentioned earlier and 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 these um, individuals are mainly from the business of drug development So as you may know, drug development is a very lengthy, costly, and and very complex process. So there's a huge and urgent need to make drug development less costly, less time-consuming, and also more efficient so that we can um, ensure that much-needed medications reach To the patients who really need them. We believe, you know, as a working group, that innovative trial design and analysis, such as Bayesian approaches, will enable efficient use of all available data, and that would be essential to meet this um, need. In our working group, we have at least 150 members. So these members are all volunteers and um, obviously have their own day job. But what we have in common is this vision, um, this collective vision to ensure that Bayesian methods are well understood and broadly utilized for design and analysis throughout our medical product development process. And so that we can improve um, industry regulatory and economic decision making. Due to its size, as you can imagine, we are organized by subteams so that we can tackle different topics of interest, such as Bayesian education, medical outreach, safety application, pediatric consideration, and um, various other topics. And the way that we inform each other, um, we try to include all of our information in our website, which is um, www.bayianscientific.org. So each sub-team typically has representative in each sector of the industry, regulatory, and academia. So it's really a great collaboration across the sectors. And the sub-teams operate independently, and they dictate their own charter and specify their own goals and objectives, and they can meet as often as monthly, and that, that's really up, you know, to them on how they want to operate in order to achieve their individual goals. But as a whole group, we do have quarterly conference calls, um, our annual face-to-face meeting, which is usually at JSM. Um, but this year, we're going to have it at the ASA BioPharm um, Regulatory Industry um, Workshop um, and in D.C., And our collaboration have resulted in numerous publications in peer-reviewed journals, book chapters, various presentations and workshops and courses at at numerous statistical conferences. So what I think is the beauty of this collaboration is that we all learn from each other as we bring different perspective and knowledge to the table and can help further bridge the gap between the statistical practice and
0: theory. Thanks for that description, Fani. and. If I can ask a follow-up question, how well do you think uh, Bayesian methodologies have uh, been incorporated into the regulatory process? So I think we may hear you know, Bayesian methods are, are fine in phase one and phase two trials, uh, but maybe less seen in phase three trials, or companies may use a lot of Bayesian methodologies to sort of guide drug development. Um, but maybe less so in submissions. Uh, do you have any thoughts about how we're sort of proceeding down this pathway to uh, having more Bayesian methods in drug development?
4: Yeah, ab- absolutely. That's that's a great question. I think the the field and the acceptance have mm-hmm. evolved significantly over time. Um, as as you rightly mentioned, you know, there's more acceptance in the early phase of the drug development where there's a lot of exploratory Objectives and maybe less so in the confirmatory setting, but I think all of that has um, changed. Um, you know, even as recent as you know the last—I I won't say you know probably—I won't say any number of years, but especially with the the recent Pudufa Six that has the fiscal year uh, starting in 2018 all the way to 2022, this initiative or legislation, if if you want to call it. Has really opened up the the gate for innovative trial design, such as uh, Bayesian using Bayesian approach and, and adaptive design, and they it, as part of the PAUFA six commitment letter, the uh, FDA will be conducting a pilot program to uh, look at innovative complex innovative trial design. So I think that's a really significant um, move, you know, from the regulatory perspective that they are opening their arms to these kind of um, innovative uh, designs. So I think the field has evolved. And um, from my perspective, there's more acceptability um, of using uh, Bayesian approaches across all phases, not just in the exploratory stage.
0: Fantastic. And uh, thanks for uh sharing your additional thoughts on the topic, and uh, it, it certainly is an exciting time to see how um, we can utilize different methods and uh, information uh, in the regulatory process. Earlier, John had mentioned a little bit about the uh, the SPAG Award, and SPAG uh, does sponsor this prestigious award annually to, to recognize some of the notable collaborations uh, that we've discussed. Can you give us a little bit of the details about the nomination criteria and the uh, specifics about the award?
3: So we just heard some interesting examples of collaborative work, and the SPAG committee promotes collaboration by recognizing successful examples through the SPAIG award. And as I mentioned, as well as John, um, one of our responsibilities is judging the nominations for this award and the award recognizes outstanding collaborations between organizations as well as the key individual contributors. Now, all the nominations must meet two criteria. First, the partnership or collaboration must represent at least two organizations from two different sectors. For example, collaborative work between academic and industry organizations or between academic and government organizations. And also the collaboration must have resulted in significant contributions to the statistical field with applications to real world problems. Nominators must submit a nomination form and include any supporting documents in their submission package. And we do accept nominations throughout the year, but all the materials must be received by March 1st each year. And finally, the award is presented at the annual joint statistical meetings, which is a a very nice honor.
0: Well, thanks, Pam, for the the details about the award. And can we, is it possible to share uh, or describe some of the notable past winners?
1: Yeah, when you look at the list of past winners, you'll see a (laughs) a wide variety of well-known institutions. Those include various universities, such as Harvard, Iowa State, Baylor, Temple, NC State, University of Michigan. And there are a number of industry winners that include Companies such as Pfizer, Merck, Nationwide Insurance, and General Motors. And then in the government category, we've had winners from the NIST, the NISS, the Los Alamos National Lab, and the National Center for Health Statistics. So a lot of variety in those different winners in the organizations and areas that they represent. It's been great to be able to honor the collaboration involving these area and we hope to continue to add to this list well into the future.
2: Rutgers, the university that employs me, was recognized for our collaboration with Pfizer. This collaboration included joint seminar series and graduate student funding. More recently, North Carolina State University and the National Security Agency were recognized for an unusually close partnership. And the Center for Statistics and Applications in Forensic Evidence and the National Institutes of Standards and Technology were recognized for impressive advances in the analysis and interpretation of forensic evidence. The NSF Census Research Network is a collaboration of a wide variety of governmental and academic groups and was recognized for innovative contributions to governmental and academic research.
0: Well, thanks to both of you for sharing some of these uh, recent award winners. Can you share with our listeners who are currently involved in collaborations um, or will be involved in future collaborations, uh, what do you consider uh, as the best practices for uh, successful collaborations and partnerships?
1: Sure.
4: Um, thank you for the question. So as I reflect back on my experience you know across various projects, big or small, which almost always involves statistics or cross-disciplinary partnerships, and as I witness how others collaborate, I'll try to highlight uh, what I think are the, you know, uh, three best practices for building successful collaboration and partnerships, so I'll call them the ABC of building successful collaboration and partnerships. So A stands for accountability, Um, B is building infrastructure and process in place, and C is communication, communication, communication. So first, let me start with A, accountability. In order for the partnerships to be successful, um, I believe each member uh, must understand his or her role and contribution in the collaboration and be able to be accountable to deliver their task. Secondly, B, for building infrastructure and process, it's important for us to build the right um, infrastructure and efficient process or processes for the collaboration to sustain over time or whatever time is you know is set for that particular partnership. So this could include understanding and agreeing on the what and the why by setting up mission, um, uh, perhaps mission and vision statements or charter documents or simply an objective statement for which the collaborators will work towards that common goal. And so we also need to agree on the how by laying out the steps for which the team will work together. So this could include, you know, setting up regular meetings, conference calls, uh, agreeing on a metric. Uh, so that we can measure what success looks like, et cetera, and be able to make incremental progress towards that common goal. And so last but not least is C, communication. And I cannot overemphasize the importance of communication, especially when you're involved in a collaboration setting, to make sure that everyone is updated on the ongoing progress and are aware of any new information and ideas which may impact the ongoing work, um, all of this is to avoid any duplicative work and or get current work done uh, more efficiently along
0: the way. Thanks very much for that, Fani. And finally, before we sign off, I want to encourage the listeners to visit the SPAG website at community.amstat.org forward slash spag. That's uh, S-P-A-I-G. Remember that nominations for the yearly Spague Award are due by March 1st. Uh, consider the collaborations that you have observed or have been involved with and submit a nomination. I'd like to thank everyone for their time and, and talking about uh, collaborations, particularly the collaborations uh, involved with the Spague Committee at the ASA. Thanks so much for your important work, and I wish you future success.
4: Thank you for having us.
0: Thanks a lot, Richard. Thanks. And there you have it, episode 58 on the Statistical Partnerships Among Academe, Industry, and Government Committee. And finally, Happy Halloween, but most importantly, the end of October means it's almost time for submissions to the 2019 Regulatory Industry Statistics Workshop. Proposals for parallel sessions, short courses, and town hall sessions will be accepted from November 13th to December 14th. The 2019 workshop will take place September 23rd to the 25th at Marriott-Warmond Park in Washington, D.C. If I only have an idea for a podcast or have a question, send me an email at rzink at targetpharmasolutions.com. That's R-Z-I-N-K at targetpharmasolutions.com. Until next time.